0: Welcome to the Health Admin Life Podcast. My name is Brooke, and I'm going to interview special guests to explore the vast career opportunities in health administration. Whether you're a clinical professional, a corporate worker, a student, or a patient yourself, this podcast is for everyone. Get ready to be inspired. Hello, current and future healthcare leaders. Welcome to the Health Admin Life Podcast. My name is Brooke, and today I would like to welcome Lindsay Newman, Manager of Operations at Memorial Hermann Hospital in Houston. Lindsay, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are?
1: Uh, Sure. So I am a native Houstonian. Shout out to all my Houstonians out there. Uh, My healthcare journey is a bit non-linear. I have worked in the same health system that I currently work at since my career has started, and it's been uh, quite a journey through that time. I've had a lot of different roles in the hospital. and part of an academic medical center, Um, but through those different roles, I've been able to develop so many different skills that have really helped me in my next opportunity in my next position and so through that i've been given different leadership opportunities along the way i've been able to go back to school and get uh, my master's degree as well as other certifications and other project opportunities
0: that is wonderful thank you so much for sharing i think everyone would love to know a little bit more about what you do kind of what is your position in day-to-day duties?
1: Yeah, so uh, as an operations manager, so I oversee two different departments. I oversee the patient experience department and interpreter services. So the day-to-day looks pretty slightly different depending upon what's going on. But for the interpreter services side, uh, our department is responsible for providing language services for all of our patients and families who have limited English proficiency. We also call them LEP patients. And so I oversee all the day-to-day operations for that department. Um, I help with the growth and development of the staff, um, growth of the department, and making sure that we have accessible resources for these patients and families. And then on the patient experience side, we focus a lot on strategy and how to improve our performance with the patient experience scores through the surveys that the patients receive. So that could be anything from data analysis, working with leadership on um, action plans or their strategy so that we can really put, drive the success of those scores and to make improvements that are sustainable.
0: Thank you for sharing. And I know you mentioned it, you might be working at a academic medical center. Is there anything unique about the specific hospital you work at?
1: Yeah, it's we are I I work for a level 1 trauma center. So it's if you're looking for the adrenaline rush, (laughs) um, the medical center in Houston and or um, Memorial Hermann Hospital is the place to be. So um, we see patients that are very high acuity, um, all sorts of complex cases, um, different various specialties. So you name it, we've probably seen it at some point. And so um, it's been... It's been quite a journey through that because you get to see all sorts of different things. And that's probably one of the reasons why I have stayed at this particular hospital for so long.
0: Thank you. And I know you said you have been working at that hospital for a long time. How long have you been working in the industry or the hospital?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, If you can believe it, March, so next month will be 11 years in the industry and also 11 years at this particular hospital.
0: Wow, that is absolutely fantastic. What made you interested in the hospital or in your position? Like, how did you get to where you are today? Well,
1: the, this hospital was actually my first big kid job straight out of college. And um, I actually wasn't interested in healthcare administration. I, I don't think I even realized it really existed in healthcare. So when I first was graduating college and was thinking about where to take my career, I actually wanted to be a nurse. And so I had started working as a unit secretary in the new heart transplant ICU. And I was working there full-time while I was studying for the entrance exams for nursing school. And through that, other, I've met other people through that role and um, with that came some other opportunities that really steered my career more in the administrative side. So I've worked in the hospital education department as um, an office assistant, as well as a recruiter and an educator. From there, I worked in that department for a couple of years and did a, helped with a large-scale project for the patient experience office and that's where I got to meet my current director. And um, as opportunities came along, I was recommended for these opportunities, and they just sort of fell into my lap. And so I've been with the patient experience office for eight years now. So it's been it's it's been a lot, <laughs> but I I learned so much through that. And I think looking back, while nurses are wonderful, and um, we we can't we can't provide care to patients without them, I am very thankful that these opportunities came that opened up to a whole other side of
0: healthcare that I didn't even realize was there. I think a lot of people think that the clinical route is the only way to go. And I think many people start out nursing or pre-med and don't really realize there's this whole other world in health administration that you can go into. So I'm so glad you were able to still follow your passions and work in healthcare and also talking about how to get jobs and where you are now. I think the power of networking and building relationships is crucial and building that foundation and starting out in health administration. Um, and I think this is a great segue into the next question is, and now that you've been here, what what is your favorite thing about working in healthcare?
1: It's really a two-fold um, or two-pronged approach. I, I think because healthcare administration is more behind the scenes and I don't have, I interact some with patients, but not a lot and not every day. Um, But I still feel like the work that I do, especially with the patient experience work and now working with um, the subpopulation with our LEPs, I still am able to see that my work is meaningful and that I still am able to be part of something that is bigger than me. Um, and we receive letters and cards and things like that all the time from patients and families saying how thankful they are for the care that they received or that the care that their loved one received. And even when I've had just the worst day, hearing those stories and and how we've made an impact, has, it helps motivate me to, and helps make me feel really proud to be part of this industry. And I think because of that, the relationships that I've built with the people that I work with um, have also been a huge part of that. Because again, I'm not the one taking care of the patients. I'm not the ones who they are directly mentioning in these letters. But because I work with the people who support those staff members that actually provide the care, I feel like those relationships have been really important as well. I think that healthcare has been really tough Um, in the last couple of years. I mean, it's been everywhere with the pandemic, but uh, particularly to healthcare. and, And I truly believe that if I worked at a different hospital, I am not sure if I would still continue working in healthcare today. And that has a huge, the biggest reason for that has been the people that I work with.
0: I think it's so important to have a passion Um, And a passion for people and a passion for patients, because you will be impacting their lives indirectly, sometimes directly working in health administration, but a lot of times indirectly. And so you have to make sure you take care of your staff because your staff are the ones taking care of the patients. And I think it's wonderful that you found a great culture, a great organization and people to work with and work for. And um, a question actually with that is, how did you know that this was the hospital that you wanted to work with? What I guess, stood out to you? And why have you been there this long?
1: Memorial Hermann has a really great reputation, um, not just in Houston, but across the nation where uh, we're the top level one trauma center in the country. And so I think initially the appeal of that reputation was what sparked my interest in, in sort of when you're fresh out of college, you wanna be in on the action and you wanna be part of the best of the best. And so I knew that I wanted to be part of the medical center and work somewhere in the medical center. Um, I think, I don't think I really understood what it was really like to be part of Memorial Herman until I got there. Um, and I think that's also, when, when I think about being there for 11 years, it all goes back to the relationships i that i've built over the years. i think that i think that this hospital really cares about their people and at least in my experience, for example, all the opportunities i've been given for growth i didn't seek out seek those out. somebody saw something in me and saw the potential in me and so i was i was presented with these opportunities and granted i worked hard for them and mm-hmm. and I'm not just gonna say that I don't, I didn't work hard for those opportunities, but I think that the my, my director and my senior leadership, they really care about their people. I've always trusted the decisions that they've made. I never felt like anything that they did was self-serving or was not mm-hmm. um, patient-centered or people-centered. Um, I saw that a lot during the pandemic is making sure that whatever decision that they made, it was to keep the patients and their staff safe. If it wasn't going to keep them safe, then they weren't going to do it. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I felt strongly that way with, with my, with my direct boss too. And I think that, I mean, I've had mentors, I've been given project opportunities. I probably just would never receive and to have the support behind it to say, what do you want to do next? Where are your goals? How can we support you in those goals? To where I don't feel like I am um, pigeonholed in one particular area, and um, and I'd like to hope that a lot of health, that all health systems function that way. I mean, I'm not really sure if they do, but I think that that has been the largest reason that I've been here. Because being in the being working in the Texas Medical Center, it's not the easiest place to work. It's very high, very fast paced, very intense environment in all the hospitals, um, in the med center area. And, um, I think it takes a special person to really be able to thrive in that environment. And I see it all the time too, in the people that I work with and a lot of people feel the same way as the people that keep them there.
0: And I think that's important. And something that I kind of made me think of is strategy or culture will eat strategy for breakfast any day. So it is important to have a great culture. And it really seems like your values align with the organization. And I stress that to any new leaders or anyone going into the workforce or just even working at any company is really look at their values. And you can find that out even on their website, talking to um, other employees of the organization because if your values align, um, I think the bottom line is you're, you're not gonna be happy in the end. Do you have any insights for aspiring leaders going into this field?
1: I think my number one piece of advice that I would give people is that humility will go a long way. S- having aspirations like wanting to be an executive or a CEO when you're especially when you're first starting out of your career either through a career change or you're fresh out of college, those are all great aspirations to have, but people want to know that you're there to learn and grow and and if they feel like you're in that interview room and you really are not there to, if you're constantly just looking for your next move without really thinking about how can I learn and grow with the work that I'm currently doing, people are gonna see those see right through those motives. And it's gonna be very difficult to, to secure that job or to secure that opportunity. Because a lot of times, especially for those starting out, they always say, get, you just want to get your foot in the door once you get your foot in the door, then you can look for other opportunities within the system and things like that. Well, it's really difficult to do if they feel like you're not in it for the right reasons, or they feel like just mm-hmm. like your values have to align with the organization, they're looking for the same thing. And so, you, um, and so that's going to be a big piece of it is taking things in stride and with grace um, in a way that's that doesn't come across as arrogant to other people, especially if you feel like if you don't have the work experience to really back that up. I think the other big piece of advice that I would give is is to feel comfortable with visibility. Uh, again, for me, I didn't I didn't really think about, oh, if I do this project, somebody will see it and then they could I could get promoted that way. It was more of, well this is what I have an idea. I think this could work. It ended up being successful and people take note of that and think about that when it comes to future opportunities. And so you want to make sure that you volunteer for things, get involved in your team or your department or within your organization, especially large health systems. They have all sorts of um, different councils and committees that you can join and get involved. And that's how you can network and meet new people that maybe you haven't worked with before, or you don't work with every single day and build relationships that way. But then also don't be afraid to volunteer for some of the work, some of the gritty work, some of the work that maybe not everybody wants to do within reason. (laughs) You don't want to be the one to be taken advantage of and not have your potential or your hard work, um, recognized. So you want to be, you want to be mindful of that. But again, you never, you never know by taking on that task for that project, even if it's not your passion, you never know what could happen with it. I, for example, I was, when I was working as a unit secretary and I met the director of the education department, I did one spreadsheet for her. She needed a tracking system set up, Somebody asked if I would do it. And I literally just set up one Excel spreadsheet for her. And then a couple weeks later, I got a call from my old recruiter saying, Hey, she, um, there's this opening in the hospital education department and the director wants you for the job. I had no idea that that was what she was looking for. I had no idea that she had a position available. And, um, and I think that. For me, it was something so small, but for her, she really saw the potential or she saw the hard work or the things that I could, the value I could bring to her team. And so it's, so just don't be afraid to volunteer for those types of things and don't be afraid to go out of your comfort zone in order to have that visibility.
0: I I really appreciate you sharing these wonderful insights and I think you're right. I think you have to step out of your comfort zone a bit to try new things, especially a, when you're early on in your career volunteer get involved where you can join committees at work or even outside of work join clubs volunteer in your community and maybe even take on passion projects because those are the things that will help you build your connections um, and maybe you'll fall in love with one of these things you never thought you would and here you are at an opportunity here you are at a new job and you actually love it so i would say try try new things and step out of your comfort zone for sure Um, other things too, thinking about getting into the industry is I think a lot of people struggle with finding mentors, or even if you're seasoned, you struggle finding mentees. What would you say to people just starting out? How do they, how do they find these kinds of connections?
1: I think that in some cases, mentorship relationships may naturally present itself as you build relationships with the people that you work with, um, I think for me, I ended up with a couple of mentors throughout my throughout my career. Most of them, it's just been naturally progressed as just I've had conversations with them, and and we've gotten and really started in a way that we were getting to know each other and hearing each other's story, and then asking questions and things like that. And it was just one of those like things where I would get advice from them. I felt like it was really valuable advice. And so I said, well, hey, can we meet again to talk about this? Or I may text, them saying, I'm having this problem. Do you have five minutes to talk through it with me? And through that, it would just naturally develop to where we would meet on a more regular basis. Um, and I had one mentor, there was, po- there was one mentor that I actually formally asked to be my mentor that our relationship did not formulate that way. Uh, He was a guest speaker at one of my grad classes and um, he worked in the same Memorial Hermann system, but for a different campus. And um, his, his career path was very similar to mine. And at the time I was feeling very stuck and not really sure what to do. And so after after the lecture, I sent him, reached out to him, asking if he'd be willing to meet with me, and and he was, and again gave me some really great advice. And so through that, um, I asked if he would be willing to mentor me, and and so we still have a mentorship relationship today. So I think don't rush it. Um, everybody should have a mentor, but you want to make sure you find the right mentor that's going to fit you and what you're looking for, because it's extremely important to find a mentor that you respect and whose opinion you really trust because they, the right mentors are going to want to give good sound advice to their mentees. But on the flip side of that, the mentee should also be willing to take that advice and put into action what they need out of it. You don't necessarily need to Um, act on every single piece of advice that you receive, but, um, but you want to make sure that it's in a way that will bring value to what you're looking for, especially if you're feeling stuck about something.
0: I completely agree. And I also want to add, um,
1: I'm sorry. And I also want to add to mentors don't necessarily have to be someone above you either. So a mentor can be somebody outside of the, um, someone outside of healthcare or in another organization. So also don't think that you have to have an executive as a mentor. You can have all different levels because again, if you trust their opinion, then it's, you're going to get some level of value out of it.
0: You're completely right. And yes, you don't necessarily have to have a mentor who's older than you at all. And um, sometimes you can strive to have younger mentors because they might have different life experiences or different knowledge that you don't have, or they might help you even just give advice or be more willing to help be a mentor. And I guess some ways to find mentors is, one is great having guest speakers or um, professors can connect you with people, but also looking other ways. If you know friends of friends, maybe they can connect you with someone or looking online. Sometimes I've found great people to connect with on LinkedIn that you never thought you would. Um, And I know it's harder if you're not working at an organization um, where you want to be at the moment or in the industry. So that might be harder to find a mentor. But if you offer someone to meet and buy them a coffee, I think they might be more willing to be a mentor. And it's not always a right fit. Um, But I think as a mentee, you really need to strive to meet with that person because a lot of times this is just an extra task or burden for them. So It's kind of what can you do to also help them offer ways to maybe look over their work or other ways that you can help them um, in return. And I think fostering that long-term relationship, again, if it fits, is making sure you at least keep in touch on a monthly or quarterly or even annual basis. You don't have to meet all the time, but just check in from time to time can really help foster that relationship. For my next question is, if you could improve one thing within the healthcare delivery system, what would it be? This
1: is gonna be a loaded answer, but it would be to better address the health disparity or the disparities within healthcare and in particular underserved communities. I've had the pleasure of working with the interpreter services department for three years now. And I think working with those staff and in working with those patients has opened up my eyes to significant gaps to not only being able to access healthcare, but then also even in the hospital is making sure that patients understand everything that they feel safe and, um, And then once they leave here, making sure that they have what they need for post-acute care. And so um, a lot of that has to do with just a good balance between the regulations that are in place regarding access, what resources are missing. Um, And in in a perfect world, in an ideal world, it would be more focused on prevention and improving the health of your population versus just relying on Um, hospitals and other health systems to treat the problem rather than preventing it. And so I know that's a, in my opinion, from what I've seen, that's a huge gap
0: still. And I think some of the issues I could even see is right now, a lot of healthcare systems are based on fee-for-service and they're trying to move towards value-based care and continue to care where it's you're helping the patient from that all the way preventative to um, other Means of care, and when it comes to the community, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize that ho- a lot of majority of hospitals are nonprofit, um, which means that they do get assistance from the government, money wise. Um, and hospitals are required to help the community. They are actually required to fill out a CHNA, and what that is is a community health needs assist- assessment, which is in the I-99, I-990 form. In H, I ninety nine I nine ninety form and Schedule HI learned about this in grad school, and I feel like it's drilled in my brain, um, which is great. But essentially, it's where hospitals, they they show an outline how they intend to help the community um, and what their action plan is. And I don't think the government regulates this enough on how much money the hospital is required to give back to the community or if their outcomes were successful, so w- when I think of regulation, I think that this is a great area to really think about. And as a healthcare leader, we should start thinking about more. And um, this is one way that we can improve our communities. But before we wrap things up, I, I know this is again, a hard question and maybe even a harder question is, is there a way that we can combat this? Are there any solutions that you can think of or any first steps towards awareness or success?
1: It's hard to say, because a lot of that, when you think about like the government regulation, I, I'm not the regulation expert. In, and of course, this isn't a political discussion. So I also don't want to, I'm not trying to change anybody's beliefs on on their political stance as it relates to health care. But, um, but I do feel like It is definitely a systemic problem that could be based on the way that or are are probably based on the way that the current regulations are set up and whether it be the reimbursement process how how you show your measures of success. I know that there's some things that have gone through, like for example, with HCAP surveys and, and the value-based care, like you were saying. So there are some things that, that we can show for it that that we do need to prove that we have quality and safety measures in place to have good outcomes. But um, But I think that there's probably always room for improvement on how that addresses these these underserved, um, underserved demographics or underserved groups, and it's tough because, e- because it's it's really hard to appropriately educate um, the, your community or even ourselves as healthcare professionals. I mean, you know, I work in this industry, I live and breathe it every day, and I didn't even think about the fact that what you were talking about with this with this health assessment. And so, if I don't even know. The details of it or know enough to really feel like i can make an educated guess or an educated opinion about it how can i expect somebody who um who are in these underserved communities to be able to understand even what resources are available to them um, i would i would probably say that a lot of a lot to um, a good a suggestion could be just trying to get out there into these communities and try to increase awareness to what's available to them um, because again, we could have these amazing resources out there, but if nobody knows about them, then then we're clearly not doing enough if they're not being utilized.
0: I, I completely agree. And I think with this is I would stress to any healthcare leader, if you're working at a hospital or healthcare system to honestly try to find your own CHNA, read it, see what you're doing in the community. And if you don't think it's accurate, advocate for it within your hospital because I think this is important. Before we end the podcast, I just want to say thank you so much. This has been wonderful, Lindsay. Is there a way that listeners can stay connected with you after the show?
1: Yeah. So I am on LinkedIn, Lindsay Newman, and I also have a YouTube channel that talks about um, the life as a healthcare administration professional. Um, you can search me either as Lindsay Newman or through my handle, which is at LynnSpins531, which is L Y N Z B I N Z531. So you can connect with me
0: on either of those platforms. Wonderful. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Today's show is brought to you by our sponsors, Riverside and Anchor by Spotify. To listen to more episodes, check out the link in my bio at Health Admin Life on TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube.